Why don't you step out? Never mind, you have never been trained. You have done it, done it before. Go and share the word of God, not your own word. Not in your own strength or wisdom, but through the wisdom that is by the Holy Spirit. This book is just tremendous. We have wholeheartedly obeyed the new teaching and trusted you. If God had not breathed into Adam's nostrils, Adam would have remained just a lump of dust. How should we then treat the Bible? All of us are sinners and saved only by grace. For worship, we were created. And for worship, we should ever live. Jesus died for our sins. And so, now that we have put our faith in him, he takes away our sins. Good morning, my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And good morning, the people of the world, those who have heard the gospel and those who are yet to hear it. May God of grace extend his loving kindness to you that you may get to know him as your father, your creator, your savior and Lord. It is for this purpose that uh, we preach this gospel. And as always, we are praying today as we prayed before that those who hear this message will believe in it and give their lives to Jesus. And furthermore, that they will become witnesses to Christ and they will begin sharing this good news with everybody else that they too may get to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today we continue to read from the book of Romans um, why this is, uh, is, is a need that needs people to attend to it. Shall we pray? Dear loving Jesus, we thank you this morning. As we continue to read this book of Romans, uh, Paul is in a way, personalizing the message. He is looking for action. He wants reaction. He wants a, a positive response. For Christ came to call, to save, to seek and to save those who are lost. But his last words were that all those who belong to him should go to the ends of the earth preaching this good news. And those who believe will be saved and baptized in the name of, Jesus, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Father, that even as we preach this online message, those who hear it, wherever they may be, will believe in it and put their faith in Christ and receive baptism as men and women who have now been adopted as children of God. Guide us therefore, Lord, as we preach this message, that it will have the impact and it will reach all those, Lord, who have designated to be your followers. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. <clears throat> so uh, today we are reading Romans chapter 15. Verses 15, verses 14 to 22, Romans 15, verses 14 to 22. And Paul says, 
I myself, I'm convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. I have written to you quite boldly on some points, as if to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with a priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my far service to God. I will not venture to speak of any, anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem, all the way around to Erechim, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach, to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. Amen. Our topic today is Paul's ministry to the Gentiles. So, um, la, I mean, as, uh, as, we, as we read um, last, last, last Sunday, Paul insists that the, gospel, the, the Gentiles are also called to follow Jesus. The gospel is, for, is intended for them as well. And Paul continues uh, from that point to what we are saying now. So what we are saying today is based on what Paul said last in our reading night last week, namely that the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news to all the people of the world, Jews and Gentiles alike. In fact, this position was made clear right at the beginning um, of, of this letter to the Romans in chapter one, um, specifically, when Paul said, that the gospel is the power of, of God for the salvation of all who believe, whether they be Jews or Gentiles. Therefore, you see the bottom line therefore is, is that for, for I mean, our, our salvation, for our salvation to be real and practical to us. In other words, for us to be saved, the consideration is not our ethnicity or our nationality or anything else but our faith. It is by faith 
It is by grace we are saved through faith. Christ extends his hand of welcome. That is by his grace, without any reason whatsoever. He just loves us and he died for us. But to be saved, we need faith. We need to believe. This is the point that is, Paul is now uh, conveying to us as he approaches the end of his letter to the Roman Christians. So in verse, uh, verse 13 of our reading, he says basically that the Christian life is a life of trust. That is to say we become Christians when we believe God and, and trust him to save us. Therefore, we must trust ourselves, we must entrust ourselves entirely to him, not just once, but we should do this every day. Not that we get saved every day, but we shall commit ourselves and recommit ourselves to him uh, um, every day. We must trust that what God says in his word is true and that God knows what is best for us all. Verses 14 to 17, um, Paul says, uh, well, in, you know, in this regard, Paul um, is really full of praise for the Romans. He commends them for what they have become after hearing the gospel, for instance, for being mature. But he is convinced that uh, the Roman Christians are full of goodness. These Christians did, did not just do some things, some good things once in a while, or just when they felt like it. But they were full of goodness and were involved in doing good, good things all the time, every day and all the time. Um, possibly they were well aware of the scripture that says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that God had prepared for us in advance to do. Secondly, these Christians are complete in knowledge. That's another characteristic of the Roman Christians is that they are or were complete in knowledge. They were not mere Christians. They were not Christians by name only, but were thoroughly, were, were people who were thoroughly instructed and they well understood the Christian faith and also knew how to put this knowledge into practice. And even as we read the, the qualities and the characteristics of these Christians, I would like to compare ourselves with what Paul is saying about them here. Now, in other words, the, the, the Romans knew what it means to be a Christian. Um, they were mature uh, uh, in Christ, so they knew, unlike many of us today, that being baptized and even going to church and giving your tithes and doing some other good things without being saved, 
without con uh, committing your life to Jesus, uh, you, you, your work is actually uh, zero. It's wasted. The beginning point is to put our faith in Christ, then become his followers and workers in his vineyard. And thirdly, the Roman Christians are able to teach one another. Now, and the whole point um, that Paul is trying to make here is that um, these believers, these Christians um, in the church at, at Rome are true and genuine Christians and that the church itself is a healthy church because they themselves are faithful, genuine, authentic believers in Christ. Therefore, their church is a healthy church. The members are mature in Christ and they are godly by word and deed, not just by word only. And so the question I would like to put to you and also to me is what kind of Christian are you, my friend? Now I hear or I have had people complaining um, about their pastors, about their churches. But my friends, let us, let us be reasonable and realistic. A church can only be as good as its members. Now, in spite of their state of spiritual maturity, there was still room in the Roman church for continuous training. And so they were training one another, but they also needed somebody else to add to the knowledge that they already had. So the true discipleship demands that we become learners for life. And not just learners, but teachable learners. Teachable learners are those who learn and understand and then do what they have learned. So Paul takes it, makes it his duty then to instruct the Roman church to be an offering acceptable to God and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. These are his actual words. Now, um, and then, so he continues on the same um, subject, verses 17 and 18. And Paul says that, um, you know, he glorifies in his ministry to the Gentiles. By this, he means that it gives him great joy and great pleasure to be God's chosen minister to the Gentiles. And in fact, to witness their wonderful reception of the gospel uh, you know, uh, the, the recipient to the, to, to the gospel message or to the good news. And he, re, he, he, he mentions the, the, the many areas where he has preached the gospel and many people have heard it and many have believed. Yet Paul does not claim to have accomplished this in his own strength. And that's a mistake we normally do, or we normally make. But in the strength of God, working through him. Now, at the beginning of this letter, 
Paul says that he is a servant of Christ called to be an apostle. In the Bible, the work of an apostle was often accompanied by signs, wonders, and miracles, even as Paul has stated in, 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 in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, at the same time, uh, in the book of the Thessalonians, at second, uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul is warning about miracles and wonders, uh, being too dependent on them. Because he says there will come a time when, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the period of lawlessness, the lawless one, they, come, they, will, they, will, they will come a time when the lawless one will appear and he will come accompanied by counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders. I'm just wondering how many people have fallen prey to false prophets, false preachers, performing counterfeit miracles. How many have been led astray? How many have been led to Satan by these criminals and pretenders? Now the Bible does not tell us that every preacher or every saved person must perform miracles, but that is what we tend to think these days. We think that if uh, a church, uh, there are no miracles happening, when we preach the message, then that message is not, is not God godly, or the preacher is not godly. He's not a man of God or a woman of God. Jesus and the actual apostles of Christ have warned us in the scriptures that prophets, as false prophets, and false teachers will come and they will lead many astray by performing wonderful miracles. Check once again 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 um, and, 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 and be guided accordingly. <clears throat> he also wants, that is Paul also wants, that in the last days people will fall to the tricks of false teachers and believe the false doctrines taught by demons. Uh, check that one out also in the book of Timothy. Now, Paul affirms that this work, that his work, no? To the contrary, Paul says and affirms that his own work was inspired by the Holy Spirit, not by demons. His work is inspired by the Holy Spirit who has enabled him to preach the gospel so extensively that he is now left with nowhere else to preach. He is looking out now for new challenges. Verses 20 to 22, Paul here expresses his preference, you know, his desire to preach the gospel where Christ is not yet known, so that those who have not heard this gospel will finally hear it from his lips. And in particular, Paul um, says he has had a, a desire for a long time to visit Rome, but was held back by his heavy workload. Now, so let's, in summary form, try to understand what Paul has said, has told us. Now, um, my, my understanding is that um, 
and and I believe also we our understanding there are different types of church workers some are like Paul who is basically a church planter uh, Paul usually preached in places where the gospel had had not been preached before and often planted new churches in those places then he would stay there for a couple of days or months sometimes a year or so preaching and teaching so that those new believers will be firmly established in the word of god then he would leave and commit the responsibility for that church and those who have believed to the elders of that church now but others are like apollos the care for churches which have already been started by others. These kind of people teach God's people until they are mature and well established in the word of God. And so in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 6, uh, Paul says that he had planted the church in Corinth and Apollos had watered it, but God made it grow amen both of these ministries are needed today that is the church planter and the discipler the one who who preached this gospel in a new place and plants a church and the one who is left teaching and instructing the new converts uh, to become disciples of jesus christ now, so I'm saying both of these ministries are needed today and, 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 and especially the, the, the ministry of discipleship, training disciples. There are many places on earth, my friends, where the gospel has never been preached, including some parts of our own country. Yet, yet, there are many Christians, many ministers, many evangelists, and many other church workers who are unwilling to who are unwilling to venture anywhere outside the city, their comfort zone. Instead, they use every trick, every clever method, every deception to attract followers from other churches. In churches, they are not winners, so winners. Their work is just to preach and teach to those who, who have already been converted. Indeed, as the Romans disagreed over food and uh, wine and special holidays, many of us pastors and Christians spend a lot of time arguing over trivial matters. This just shows that we, we don't have better work to do. Yet there's so much work that needs to be done and there are no workers. And so here is our challenge today. Now, we have already said that uh, the Roman Christians proved their spiritual maturity by being knowledgeable and by teaching each other 
I, I suppose also teaching others outside the church. Now, earlier on, we were confronted with the reality that the reason why many people have not yet believed in this gospel is that no one has ever preached to them. And the reason that no one has preached to them is because uh, nobody was sent. The churches were not sending ministers to the unreached. They were just feeding those who have already been saved. Preachers can only go if they are sent. But here I would like to say myself that we, we all have a calling. And so if your church is not interested in evangelism, in winning souls outside, um, outside the, the, the confines of the church itself, you know, we have to respond to our calling. We have to respond to the call of Christ, not the call of men or women. So let us be warned, my dear friends, when a church fails to send people to enrich places, God will bypass them and send other people. He will send other people, but then we shall re lose our reward. In Isaiah 6, 8, the prophet says that he heard God asking, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Let me venture to say that this question is, being, is still being asked. Now, how do we respond to God? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? The prophet Isaiah, young as he was, answered, here I am. Send me, and God sent him. God is looking for people like you and I and others to send, to respond and say, here I am, send me. Christ lamented that the work is so plentiful, but the workers are so few. The reason why the workers are few is that uh, people choose to pack their churches on Sunday morning and to, reason, to repeatedly hear the same gospel message year after year, but they have never considered the lot of those who have never had the good news and you know, reach out to them and share this gospel. So let me challenge you, my dear friend, to think of those who are dying every day without ever having had the good news. Where do you think their spirits go? when they die without being saved? And think of many ministries that are lying idle for lack of people to minister there. What are you willing to do about this? Finally, there are men and women and young people and children who may even hear this message but even if they don't, they, they, they will hear the message from others. And if they don't, there are people like you and I around them. Some are members of our family, others are our neighbors and friends. Do you want to see them going to hell? But that is what is going to happen unless somebody tells them this good news that they may be saved. Why don't you step out? Never mind, you have never been trained. You have done it, done it before. 
Go and share the word of God, not your own word, not in your own strength or wisdom, but through the wisdom that is by the Holy Spirit. Paul needed the Holy Spirit. The disciples, the apostles needed the Holy Spirit. We all must be guided by the Holy Spirit and depend on him to, con to communicate the word of the Lord. Let us not be wise in our own eyes. So if we have a burden to bear. Let's go and discharge it beginning today. Amen? And may God be with you. Father, we thank you. And we have heard the message. Now help us to arise and go. As the disciples went and preached the gospel everywhere in response to your great commission, help us to do the same. Trusting and believing in you and the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit, as they did. And this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our loving Savior. Amen. This book is just tremendous. We have wholeheartedly obeyed the new teaching and trusted If God had not breathed into Adam's nostrils, Adam would have remained just a lump of dust. How should we then treat the Bible? All of us are sinners and saved only by grace. For worship, we were created. And for worship, we should ever live. Jesus died for our sins. And so, now that we have put our faith in Him, He takes away our sins, He covers under His righteousness.